0: Our scripture reading this morning is from um, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary... he had said these things to her the grass withers and the flower fades but the word of the lord stands forever thanks be to god
1: it is easter and i love the kind of the the call and response that we do at the beginning so we're going to do it again because i like to lead it too so i want to do it uh he is risen he is risen indeed he is risen an indeed amen it is easter and we're glad that you're here to celebrate the resurrection of jesus christ with us uh this is a resurrection from the dead um as far as we know this is the only person that's done this um uh we it's it is a well-documented historical fact though it is often debated the thing that I'm not going to do for you today is walk you through kind of all the evidence of the resurrection. Um, it's, in my opinion, a little overplayed, um, but it's because it's so well documented. There's a ton of source out there t- I can point you to. If that's a question that you have, um, I can I have books upon books about that. Um, it's one of the more well-documented uh, historical events that we have, and I'd love f- uh, for you to be able to look into that but we're not gonna we're not gonna do that this morning so you might not believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead that's okay we're glad that you are here with us this morning and but what I want you to do is I want you to want that it's true I think the implications of the resurrection are more profound to me personally and to us as a people than the historical fact of it and all that evidence that's out there because the resurrection changes everything if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead then everything changes it's kind of like spring Right, we've been living through this winter, the snow and the doldrums and the gray skies, and now the sun is shining. It's absolutely beautiful out. It joys my heart that Easter and the weather decided to coexist uh, properly this year. It hasn't always been the case as I've been walking around the neighborhood lately I've started to see a lot of people are starting to get outside again they're starting to get in their gardens they're starting to to dig around right to to clear the ground to get all the weeds up to clear the rocks and all the things that have kind of accumulated over the winter and over the summer and finally if we didn't get to cleaning it all up at the end of, the, of summer and the beginning of fall last year we're finally getting around to it this year we were out in the yard yesterday kind of moving piles around basically we weren't like cleaning cleaning up but that's kind of how it goes sometimes spring gardening is not about harvesting though like we're not pulling these beautiful tomatoes off the vine yet we're cleaning the ground we're cultivating it we're preparing the soil and taking inventory of you know what we've planted in the past and what's succeeded what's gone well and what we want to plant in uh, our garden this year it's a season of preparation. It's probably the most work-intensive season of gardening. It seems like we can be in perpetual cultivation in our lives as well. We're, it seems like we're always in early spring. We're always cultivating something new. Life, life is just hard. It's challenging. We face new challenges every day there's setbacks we think we've done something so well we've written out the, a long email and then it disappears right before we're going to hit send and i know i don't ever have the energy to write the whole thing out again i'm like look i forgot like whatever it's just do what you want to do at this point right we have stressor stress and pressures to perform we're often called to punch above our weights I think COVID exasperated this. It kind of gave us this time that we thought we could slow down, but then we got anxious about all the things we wish we could be doing. And now that we're coming out of it, we're starting to see that all these other people are traveling and doing all these great things. And maybe they've had a more quote unquote successful COVID experience. Just getting out of the house may seem absolutely impossible because we have to interact with other people again. And that can be stressful. We are a stressed out society, and we were just beginning to tear down the facade that we had built, and then now we're grasping to rebuild it again in our lives. It seems like every conversation I've had over the last couple of weeks, anxiety has come up. It's our kids, it's our work, it's our marriage, it's what the economy is doing everything weighs so heavily on our shoulders. There's an Atlantic article that came out uh, just over the weekend that said 44% of teens, a record high amount of teens, suffer from sadness. They experience it on a regular basis. They gave a number of reasons, social media, just the world is a sad place to be. We're constantly on this news cycle about it. One of the things they said, though, is that their parents are stressed out, that they suffer from anxiety as well. What we experience in our own lives gets passed down to our kids, whether we want it to or not. We're a sad, anxious people. So is there any way to change this? Is there any way to get out of this cycle, seemingly, of sadness? Well, I think the resurrection changes everything. I think the resurrection changes three very particular and fundamental things about who we are, both individually and corporately as well. It changes our relationship with God. It changes our relationship with others. And it changes our relationship with With ourselves our relationship with God our relationship with others and our relationship with ourselves first it changes our relationship with God God becomes our father in verse 17 Jesus is talking to Mary and he says to her do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the father but go to my brothers and say to them I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God Jesus addresses God as Father. No one else has ever done this before in history. No other religion says that you can refer to God as your Father. This is completely new. Even in the Old Testament, uh, God gave his name to the people of Israel, Yahweh. But they never would call him that because that's too intimate. That was too close. He was Almighty God. They would say Hashem, the name and they would to be able to uh, uh, communicate their respect to him, and not violate the commandment of using the Lord's name in vain. They didn't want to do that. So this would have been completely foundational, or like a complete foundational change for that. And Jesus tells Mary that this God is her father. This would have absolutely totally blown her mind. Maybe she could have understand that understood that Jesus and God had this relationship but not her. But because of the resurrection, Mary can call God Father, and so can we. My kids are always trying to get my attention. Dad, 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 dad. Hey, dad. Hey, dad. We're in the car. Michael and I will be talking on the way to school, and he'll go, hey, dad, and then he'll tell me something, and I'll be like, Then i will be like, hey, Dad, and then he'll tell me something. i will be like, hey, Dad, and I'm like, yes, Michael, yes, Michael, yes, Michael. And I love being able to have that relationship with him. At this point, at the age my kids are, they think I'm Superman. I can solve all their problems, but they're starting to see some weaknesses in me. I'm not going to be Superman forever. If your kids are hitting middle school, I've heard, and I don't want it to be true, but suddenly you're not Superman anymore. They start to see some cracks in your armor, they start to see your weaknesses. We don't meet their needs in the same way. We're not able to. We're not perfect suddenly. We've all experienced this with our parents at some point, right? We start to see that they're not perfect, that they have flaws that um, maybe we're not perfect as well in that relationship. Our parents determine a lot of how we view who God is, and especially fathers. And when we begin to see that they are broken people, it begins to w- make us question whether God is broken as well, if he can be the good father whom he says he is. In order to have healthy plants... We have to have healthy soil. The soil recently has been discovered that it's actually a biome in and of itself. There's a lot of living creatures that make up soil. There's a lot of nutrients. There's worms. There's, it's a, there's a function to it. And how healthy the soil is determines on how well our plants are going to grow. Are there the right nutrients? Is it the right makeup? All of that goes into how well our plants grow. We as humans need to be planted in healthy soil. Some of us need to be transplanted into healthy soil because of the families that we've grown up in. How are we transplanted? How does this happen? Same question as how do we know God as father? And I think it's the same way of how our kids know us as parents. We go, Dad, Dad dad we cry out to him we call out to him over and over again until we get his attention and he pays attention to us our kids they don't care like they will interrupt us in the middle of everything god is not so far off from us that he will not be interrupted and he will not be he will not pay attention to us he will he wants to he loves us and he calls us his children we call this prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray by saying, "Our Father." This is exactly how Jesus prayed, and is how he taught us to pray. And we're going to pray this soon, uh, towards the right after communion. It's the Lord's prayer. We are invited to call out to God as is most inherent in our own beings, in our own language. Dad, Dad, Dad. Because of the resurrection, we know that we can do this. The resurrection means that we have a new relationship with God, one as Father. But not only that, it changes our relationships with others as well. Others begin to become brothers and sisters. Look at verse 17 again. Jesus says, Go to my brothers and say to them, This is how God, this is how Jesus now refers to his disciples. For a long time, Jesus just called them friends or called them disciples or by name as well. But he says here, he says, you are no longer friends, merely friends. You are my brothers. And if Jesus calls them brothers, then Mary does as well. And we can have brothers and sisters in Jesus also if we call God our Father. God has always been about forming a people, not just individuals. When we come to faith in Christ, we come to know God as Father and we come into a new family. When God called Abraham to be the father of Israel, he said, You will be the father of many children. Your children will, uh, your descendants will outnumber the stars. God has always been about forming a people together. When we think about um, gardening and we're starting to plan our garden out, we think about what plants grow together. Some really don't grow well next to one another, but like you can plant all your herbs next to one another. You can plant basil underneath tomatoes. And all these are separate, but they share a lot and they feed off of one another the nutrients and the soil and how they use it. And then there are aspen trees. Aspen trees, when you go up in September, are just absolutely some of the most beautiful things out there. There are no individual aspen trees. There's no such thing as an aspen tree. They're an aspen grove. There's always more than one. In fact, the largest living organism in the world is an aspen grove. It's called pando. It's in south-central Utah. And it has approximately 47,000 stems, 47,000 trees, and they're all connected to one another through the root system. It covers over 106 acres. It weighs an estimated 13 million pounds, and they believe it's been around at least since the last ice age 14,000 years though some think it's been around a whole lot longer than that. And I guarantee there's no way that it has survived all that this world has gone through without being connected to one another. They support each other through their root system. The same is true for us who put our faith and trust in Jesus. We are not on our own. We do not live out. We are not silos. We're not islands. We don't have to live by our own strength. We get to rely on one another. I think anxiety that we face in our lives, the biggest lie that it tells us is that we are on our own, that there is no one else that can help us with this problem. There's no one else that we can go to to help lift us up to be there to support us whether we're going through just an injury and we need somebody to help make a meal for us or whether it feels like our life is absolutely crumbling around us we need our brothers and sisters our friends and our family to come around us to support us to speak truth into our lives and it's amazing how much it can come from even even our children sometimes I remember I was going through one of the hardest parts, uh, one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. And I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone, and I was belaboring the fact that it feels like I have no way out, that I'm all alone. And I was told by the person who uh, was causing me all these problems that you can't talk to anyone about this. And I said to uh, my friend on the phone, I said, I have no way out. And Michael was like three years old and he looked up at me and he goes there's always a way, a way out dad just take the door <laughs> And I was like oh man like yeah just take the door just there's always a way out now in our world there's a little more complications to how that plays out and all that but it's a reminder that we're not on our own there's always a way out there's always people that long to come around us even when it feels like we're bearing the weight of the world on our own, we're not. And in the resurrection, we don't have to be alone. We have family. We have brothers and sisters that are with us in this life. We need one another. The resurrection changes our relationship with God. and changes our relationship with others, and it changes our relationship with with ourselves, Look back um, just before uh, that, that verse there. I know I don't have the numbers, so but it's where Jesus said to her, verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. There's this turn here where Jesus addresses Mary as woman first really impersonal probably very very uh, uh, um, compassionate though but rather impersonal and then suddenly he addresses her as Mary. He personalizes her. He brings her into a relationship, not just with him, but with herself as well. She calls Jesus Raboni after assuming that he's the gardener. This means teacher. This is a form of, of uh, respect and endearment as well. But I think both the teacher and the gardener apply here. Because Jesus is the gardener, the soil of our lives, who teaches us who we truly are and gives us new life. When I was in eighth grade, I got in trouble. Um, We were playing a practical joke on a friend. He left his wallet behind and we thought it would be funny to not give it back to him right away, but to save it for lunchtime. Well, about 30 minutes before lunch was happening, um, I got called to the principal's office. Uh, the joke was no longer a joke. Um, I got punished for it. Um, No one believed the story. I think I was too scared to go, no, we were just going to, we were playing a joke. We're going to give it back to them at lunch and all that. No one thought it was funny, especially the adults. No, no adults think kids are funny. I don't know why. I wish I still did. Um, But I got suspended. I got sent home and my parents said, that's not punishment enough. You're going to get out there and you're going to pull weeds." And I think it was, like, February in Tulsa, which is still gray and overcast. And, like, there shouldn't have been weeds, but there were weeds. And I had to sit there the entire time I was at home, except for, like, meals and bedtime, and uh, pull weeds. That was my punishment while I was there. It was horrible. I hated it. And it took me a long time to actually see the benefit of pulling weeds in the garden. When I first started gardening, I was like, just le- I'll just let them grow. It doesn't matter. But weeds interfere with the health of the other plants that are there you have to pull the weeds because they will suck up all the nutrients in the soil this is that prepping of the ground this is essential work this is like the hardest work of gardening this is what we're everybody's doing as i'm walking around and seeing them working their garden this is why i haven't gotten out to work in my garden yet because i'm not quite ready to pull the weeds not quite ready to get out there what jesus does as he comes into our lives and he begins to show us the weeds that are in the garden of our life, and he pulls them. And it feels like punishment sometimes, but it's the only way that he can clear the ground to plant new seeds of life. You know, we all inherit, uh, inherit certain sins bad habits, ways of being, or bad behaviors from our parents, from our family of origin, whether it's where we grew up, it's where what they have suffered and dealt with through their parentage as well. And it all gets in um, who we are. It's why we parent the way we do, whether it's what we're, we're gonna do it the same way, or we're not gonna do it that way. It's why we fight with our spouses in the way that we do. All of these things that we have seen and grown up with, we inherit into our lives as well and to break the cycle of this what what the scripture calls generational sin is that we need to be transplanted into new soil where god is our father where we have a new family where the soil of our lives is healthy and we can begin to see those weeds that can be pulled up the thing about it is it's not just like a a once in a lifetime kind of a thing it's a regular seasonal thing and it's horrible it sucks. Can I say that? It sucks. It's hard. It's hard to see ourselves as broken people, as not perfect, as not the strong guy, as not the man anymore. But then we begin to see that our lives are reformed and new seeds, are, and new plants are planted. Where we can see that, that where what we thought was important can be redefined where the fruit that we were hoping for in our lives can be changed. Instead of being, going out and being the biggest person out there, instead of having uh, all the glory and all the recognition and all these things that can so quickly fade away, we begin to see new fruit that is grown, where we have a life of peace, we have a life of joy and kindness and faithfulness, And gentleness and self-control and when we begin to see these things working in our lives we can begin to say that the Spirit of God is working Jesus has cleared the weeds this time and new seeds are being planted God gives us new fruits and brings out the life that we have in the Father in our new Jesus family does the resurrection matter yeah absolutely it does because we could say all these things Without it. We, I could tell you this over and over and over again. But the guarantee of the resurrection is when we look at the cross and we look at what Jesus has given up that he lost the Father, he was abandoned by his brothers, he was given a fake crown and called the King of Kings given his own definition of who he was. And he gave them all up. He took on our sins so that he could come into our lives and clear the soil. When he was resurrected from the dead, he guarantees these things happening in our lives. Does the resurrection matter? Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you um, did not despise the cross that you did not look away from it, but that you said, I will, I will go. If this is the way that it has to happen, I will go. And that when we look to Easter morning, we can see, Lord, help us to see your resurrection, the new life that you bring, that you give to us. Lord, that we can have an intimate relationship with you, to call you our Father, that you are near to us, that you take interest in us, Lord, and that you will not forsake us. Thank you that we don't have to face life on our own, that the anxieties that we face can be faced with others, Lord. Remind us that we are not alone, Lord, and help us to see how you are clearing the land to grow the fruit of, of your spirit lord to grow the harvest uh, the plants that bear abundance of fruit in our lives lord that we can be people of peace and joy and love and that we can be that um, we can see uh, what you are doing in our lives lord we thank you for your grace and mercy through jesus christ in whose name we pray amen